tonight we're going to be <clears throat> continuing in our series on His Name is Faithful, looking at Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22. Let's stand together as we read God's Word together. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. May God bless the reading of his word tonight. It's my prayer. You may be seated. <clears throat> Our series have been derived from primarily from the title, or as far as the title is concerned, from Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11, uh, where Jesus is depicted as riding in on a white horse and his name is called Faithful and True. Uh, perhaps there is no more uh, concise, no more famous statement of the faithfulness of God than this one in our text tonight of Lamentations 3 and 23. Uh, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Lamentations, obviously, is a book of mourning. Its very name means to mourn or to lament. Jeremiah was often called the weeping prophet. Uh, and he wrote this little short book to lament or mourn the tragic death of his nation. Now, he knew that the nation would rise again. God had promised that. He had promised it not only through him, uh, but also through his contemporary, Ezekiel. And so he knew that those dry bones, as Ezekiel said, would one day live. He knew uh, that God had a plan for the future of the nation of Israel. Uh, God had promised it. He knew it was going to happen. And yet that did not diminish the difficulty that came from watching the tragic demise of his nation. And it did not ease the pain of its passing. The nation did not die quickly or easily. Even when we look back in the pages of antiquity and we see how that a nation, for example, might be invaded and conquered by another nation, something that has happened again and again and again and again throughout history, and something that we are even seeing attempted right now uh, in our world where a nation invades another, attempts to conquer their country, uh, destroy their economy, destroy their buildings and cities, uh, kill people, take them captive. It's all happened again and again and again throughout history. But even when we see something like that, ultimately the culmination of this uh, actually is something that happened over time. Uh, when we think of the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, for example, it, it fell from a variety of different things. And if somebody wanted to make the argument that the Roman Empire was first corrupted within, that it weakened itself by its policies from within, long before it was conquered from without, I, I think history would bear uh, that lesson up. Nations generally uh, don't die quickly. Uh, most of the time, it is a, a long and agonizing and painful death that occurs over years. And that was exactly what had happened in Israel. It is a sobering thing to think about tonight. Uh, but we may be 
very well. We could be watching the demise of our nation. It's hard to imagine. We've had a long and, and prosperous journey under the blessings of God, and yet the prosperity and the success of any nation is a perilous thing. And uh, the Bible tells us that the wicked shall be turned into hell. And every nation that forgets God. Well, Jeremiah was watching his nation fall. There was no question about it. God had spoken it. (laughs) He had told him very explicitly that his nation was going to fall. But out of that time of darkness, out of that time of, of difficulty, then there also came a message of hope that we're going to look at tonight. So Jeremiah was busily proclaiming the truth of God and telling them about what was going to happen to the nation, but the people would not listen to him. Unfortunately, there were prophets that they did listen to, and the prophets that they did listen to were giving them a lying message of peace and safety and prosperity. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 14, he said, They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. These lying prophets were, were preaching that message of peace, and the people who believed it would ultimately die because of it. Uh, they could have listened to Jeremiah, And they could have saved their life. In fact, that exact promise was made to them. But by listening to these false prophets saying that God was not going to let them fall and that they needed to resist and and fight and all those other things, many, many of them died and ultimately the nation fell. But still in verse 21, Jeremiah says, But I think of this. This I recall to my mind, and therefore have I hope. I think of this. This I recall to mind, and I have hope. And he mentions essentially four things that would serve as the basis of this hope, and we're going to pull these up tonight uh, so that we also can experience that same hope, a hope that, of course, is deeply rooted in the truth of the faithfulness of God. We might say as long as there's life, there's hope, uh, but Jeremiah's life... Uh, was not going to last, and he knew it. He knew it. He knew it. As far as his life was concerned, as far as his service was concerned, as far as his ministry was concerned, as far as a future in that land was concerned, there was no hope. There was a promise of God that Jeremiah knew he would not survive to see. Interestingly, another of his contemporaries, a man we all know well by the name of Daniel, would be reading the things that Jeremiah wrote. And he would understand, Daniel would get understanding of the same thing that Jeremiah had. That Seventy years of judgment were determined against God's people. And Daniel, Daniel was overwhelmed. He did the same thing that Jeremiah did. He wept. He wept with the powerful realization that he was never going to get to go home. There'd be no home to go back to. That his land would be desolate for 70 years. They would live this out. Jeremiah knew it. But he also knew the promise of God. So did Daniel. So did Ezekiel. 
I'm very thankful that we serve a God that, yes, though he may promise judgment, he also reminds us that our situation is not hopeless. God would tell Jeremiah to buy a farm. Interesting thing, since Jeremiah was forbidden uh, to take a wife, so he would never have children or grandchildren to possess that farm. Uh, he bought it. He took the security of it. He went to the courthouse, wherever that was, uh, had the deed recorded. Though he would never be able to plant a crop on that, har- on that farm. He would never harvest a crop from it. His children wouldn't because he had no children. His grandchildren wouldn't because he had no grandchildren. But still he bought that farm that God told him to buy because it was a part of God's promise. One day this land will be cultivated again. One day this land will bring forth the harvest again. One day, one day there will be people who will be blessed by your confidence in the promises of God. <laughs> and you can see if you think about it for a moment. The wisdom of what God told Jeremiah to do. I mean it's one thing to stand up and say. I believe God's promises. <laughs> but when you pull this thing out. And put, start forking over the money. All of a sudden. Our belief in the promises of God. Has gone to a different level. <laughs> I believe the promises of God. Enough to buy this field. Knowing. That I'm never going to raise a crop in it because I believe these promises. There will one day be a people who are blessed by my decision. And I'm not just putting my words on it. I, I'm, I'm willing to invest in it. Invest in the promises of God. Jeremiah had to see a lot of difficulty. He had to go through these things. And was watching this hopeless situation, and yet in the midst of it all, there was the faithfulness of God. And he brings up several things. Uh, The first thing was uh, their failures. That was the most obvious thing. That's what had brought this all upon us. But he has a very interesting expression that he uses about it in verse 22 when he says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. You see, he goes directly to the point. And the point is that God is merciful. And so, though Jeremiah had preached all of his life to people who did not listen, he knew that he was writing to people who would listen. People who, like Daniel, would be reading his words, though they were all the way in Babylon, who had seen his promises of judgment come to pass. He knew that. And so he would write to them and, says, and say to them, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Uh, you've probably seen that bumper sticker on the back of somebody's car from time to time that says, If you can read this, you're too close. Have you seen that one? Okay, if you're reading this. Then there's another one. That says, if you can read this, thank a teacher. I like that one. I, I like that one too. Well, Jeremiah could say, Okay, if you're reading this, you're still alive. That was the point. If you're reading this message, you didn't die. You weren't killed by the Babylonians. You're you're still alive. 
if you can read this, you're reading this, you're still alive. And so here's the message to you. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. You see, he knew that one day an audience would read his word, hungry to hear the truth that their fathers and friends and family members had rejected. But he knew they would listen. And so he wants to tell them that their failures did not overcome the mercy of God. To them, that simple message was, you aren't dead, dead yet, <laughs> although you probably should be. Uh, you see, the, the question that is being considered by Jeremiah's words is not that why did so many of God's people die under that judgment? The real question was, why were any of them saved alive? He considered their failure, their rebellion, their rejection. You consider the messages that God had sent Jeremiah and Ezekiel to preach to them again and again and again. They had rejected it. Jeremiah's words were written down in a book and the king would take that book and cut it apart with a knife and throw it in the fire to be burned. When you consider such rebellion against God, the question was not why many so died, why so many died, but why any were saved alive. And the answer is given right here in the text. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. You're still alive. Therefore, you can give thanks to the God of mercy. God is faithful to his promise. God is merciful. You know, we can think of that ourselves tonight because the fact is that when we think of the truth of God and we find, think of how many times we have fallen short of that truth, we can say with Jeremiah, it is of the Lord's mercy that I'm not consumed. God has been merciful to us all. Amen? Amen? God has been merciful to us all. Entitlement happens. And for the people of God, it happens only when we forget that we deserve death and judgment for all eternity. That's what we deserve. Because of our obvious failure, our hope to not only just survive but to thrive is based on the continuing mercies of God. It is by the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. It puts our failure on prominent display. And yet against our failure comes the mercy of God. God's faithfulness. Shown in his mercy. It is then, verse 22, of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. And this brings up not only the mercy of God, but also the love of God. The love of God. His compassions. His feelings of affection for us. And Jeremiah is quick then to point out that another, this is what I think about so that I have hope. I, I think of God's mercy and I think about God's unfailing love. 
and the freedom then that it brings knowing that God has a loyal love for us. It reminds me of the story of Elijah and the widow in 1 Kings chapter 17. You remember uh, how he came upon her and she was in a terrible plight. Uh, she had just a little bit of oil, olive oil, no doubt, uh, just a little bit of meal left in her barrel. And she said, I'm going to make a cake for myself and my son, and we're going to eat it and die. But you know the story. Elijah uh, told her, well, make a little cake for me. And, and, and she did. And he promised her that that measure of oil and, and that uh, that meal in the barrel would not fail. It would not fail. <laughs> oh, every time I think about that story, I think, you know, that God is the God of, of all provisions. God can do anything. God can do anything. So I, I would think, why didn't he just fill the oil up and fill the barrel up with meal? You know, just, just take care of it all at once so she could look at it and see, yeah, I've got enough now for, man, I could feed the whole village. I mean, don't. Nothing in her situation changed. Every day it was the same thing. Every day. I've often kind of wondered what that was like for that little widow to go in there every day. Well, look at there. I thought I used all that last night. Now I believe there's enough in there for another. Man, I thought I got all that meal. Look down there. There's, there's enough. I believe we've got it up here. Elijah, I've got something for you. Then make it for God's compassions fail not. You see, his unfailing love, his unfailing compassion and concern for us is designed to free us to love him loyally in return, uh, to serve him then out of that love, not out of the fear that would come from his rejection, not out of the fear that would come that God might abandon us if we don't somehow please him. We serve him knowing that his love never fails. And even in this time, Jeremiah could feel the freedom, the hope that comes from knowing that God is faithful and compassionate and his compassion doesn't run dry. Paul would speak of this in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 when he said the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again. The unfailing love of Christ is what compels us. It is our motivation. It's what keeps us going. The freedom then that it brings is the freedom to live for something beyond ourselves because the worst kind of bondage is the bondage that loses sight of our blessedness. And so we are experiencing God's blessings because we know that His compassions never fail. His love is constantly being shown to us. And this then is what gives us the ability to enjoy life regardless of the circumstances. If we're not careful, we'll lose sight of the extraordinary ordinary. Do you feel blessed to be able to walk out on a porch or maybe show up in a parking lot with a cup of coffee and watch the sunrise. Does that bless you? Does that bless you? If, if it doesn't, something's wrong with you. You might need to repent. I tell you that. Uh, maybe not coffee. Maybe something else. But 
Do we open our eyes on a day and feel the blessings of God in that day? Do you feel the joy and blessings of God when you get a hug from your kids or from your grandkids? You see, you, you and I, you, you, may, you may never strike it rich. You may not. You may never even be able to retire. If you live only for yourself and if you're dominated by your own dreams, then you may live forever unhappy and die unhappy. But for the Christian, we've got something else. God loves us and he never stops loving us. His compassions don't fail. And he promised us in Psalm 37 and 4, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, a lot of people read that and say, well, if I really delight the Lord, myself in the Lord, then God is, is going to give me that new Cadillac I want. Well, that's not what that passage says. If we delight ourselves in the Lord, we will have a heart that is always delighted. Why? Because God is always in our heart. God always loves us. And if we delight in Him, then we have an unfailing source of delight. Knowing that God is faithful and His compassions fail not. Through it all then comes the freedom, the freedom of hope. I think of this, and therefore I have hope. And in that hope is the understanding that my failure is not final because of the mercy of God. In that hope, then, there is the understanding that I am free to live and to love and to serve God who loves me back. And I can enjoy this life. Even though I might not have everything I would like to have. Or even though my situations might be dire. Even when God's chastening falls on my life. I know that it falls on a son that God loves enough to discipline. Next word is frequency. They are new every morning. They're new every morning. I think about this, Jeremiah says, and I have hope. I'm, I'm considering the faithfulness of God. I, I'm, I'm doing this, and he's going to talk about God's faithfulness. That's the next and last one that we'll consider tonight. But as he does so... He's talked about these other glorious things, God's mercy, God's compassion. And he lumps them both together. And he talks about how frequently they come. They are fresh and new every morning. Jesus taught us not to worry about tomorrow because he said sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. And every day there will come a share of blessing, and every day there will come a share of burden, and every day there will be a share of victory, and every day there will be a share of failure. What we don't need to do is consume our todays by being concerned about tomorrow. God doesn't do that. And God is eternal, by the way. And so what does he say? He says that the mercy and compassion of God is fresh and new every morning. That with the, the dawning of each new day, God makes provision for us before the day even comes. God, who knows what that day is going to bring, provides his mercy and compassion before it gets here. God gives us what we need day by day, just like that little widow woman in Zarephath, just like we see over and over again, just like he taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Yeah. 
God gives us what we need to get through today. And the last is the future. The future then, he knew, I, I think about this, I, and I have hope. And what is the this? Well, one of the things that he thinks about is the faithfulness of God. Great is thy faithfulness. I'm going to read it tonight in its context. Because as magnificent of a statement as it is all by itself, it takes on more significance in its context. I did not put this all in the PowerPoint presentation. I wanted you to listen. Listen as it's read. It's a lengthy reading. Lamentations 3 and 1. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. He has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe. He has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. He has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry and shout, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. He has been to me a bear lying in wait, like a lion in ambush. He has turned aside my ways and torn me in pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow. And set me up as a target for the arrow. He has caused the arrows of his quiver to pierce my loins. I have become the ridicule of all my people. Their taunting song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drink wormwood. He has also broken my teeth with gravel and covered me with ashes You've moved my soul far from peace. I have forgotten prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction and roaming the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I remember. And I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are fresh and new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You see, Jeremiah knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that he was experiencing the judgment of God. It had fallen on his nation. And though Jeremiah had been faithful, it had fallen on him too. We often speak of that hedge of protection. 
Sometimes God builds a hedge around us to imprison us. Just in case there was any wonder about that, Jeremiah said, you put on me a heavy chain. Jeremiah talked of how that God had made him a target for his arrows. And how many of you know tonight that if God is shooting at you, he's always going to hit. Never misses. Jeremiah didn't give one ounce of credit to the devil. He didn't waste one minute of his time talking about how the devil was giving him a hard time. No, it wasn't the devil that was doing this. He knew where it came from. It came from God. He had a long list of all the things he had suffered, of all the feelings that he felt, of the anguish that he had experienced in watching his nation die all around him. But thank God he could say, this I remember, and I have hope. My God is faithful. My God is faithful to keep his promises. My God is merciful, and my God is compassionate. And when you think about those statements in the midst of this subject, then we can learn tonight that because of God's faithfulness, we know there is mercy for our failures. Because of God's faithfulness, we know there's compassion, compassion for our struggles. Because of God's faithfulness, then, there is that ever-present help in time of trouble. Because of God's faithfulness, then, we can know that our future is secure. I don't know where Jeremiah was when he wrote the book of Lamentations. Some suggest that he had already fled to Egypt by that time. We don't know. His location is not particularly identified. Wherever he was, I'm sure his situation was meager at best. I can see him huddled in some dark corner somewhere. Maybe with a candle that he's laboriously writing Hebrew. Oh, man. That was hard to do. <laughs> laboriously writing away. Oh, he wasn't writing this. He would be writing this way because Hebrew went this way. Laboriously writing away. There in the dark, maybe cold, hungry. Writing this song of woe, but out of his heart, Springs the words of our text. I think of this. And I have hope. Though his situation. From our perspective was hopeless. It was never going to get any better in this life. Yet the faithfulness of God. Projected him beyond. I think of this. And I have hope. Maybe tonight this, this message uh, isn't uh, ringing on your doorstep. I, I, don't, I don't know. But most of us have, have known that feeling of sobbing out into the night. Of when we lived out the words of the psalmist when he told us weeping may endure for the night. But oh, thank God, joy comes in the morning. 
I, I think of this, and I have hope. I hope you had this hope in you tonight. That kind of hope is built on a relationship with God that's only available to us through Jesus Christ. Oh, I hope you know him as your Savior. And if you're struggling, maybe feeling a bit hopeless or helpless, I want you to think of what Jeremiah thought of. Maybe make a note in your Bible because it will come in handy someday. I think of this, and therefore I have hope. Let's stand together, please.